Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by a more naked than usual Kev Pugzelski. Kev, should I call you Poggers? Oh, uh, Poggles. It was. Poggles. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. No, that Kev's fine. Yeah. I probably haven't had that for 20 odd years. So We'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Um, also joining us is Vito Dori. He's back. Vito. It's good to be speaking to you again because, to be honest, I couldn't do another podcast three in the space of three weeks alone with Kev. So thank you for returning. How are you feeling after having your <laughs> wisdom teeth removed? Uh, starting to get better, to be honest. And uh, at least now I feel like I'm more able to talk now. Yeah, well, I'm sure you're you're ready to talk some some positive things about Sampdoria, particularly after their win this weekend. Oh, definitely. I mean, a win's a win, regardless of the circumstances. So it's always good to talk about those kind of positive results. Excellent. Kev, did you miss them? Oh, I always miss me. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to hear his views on uh, Samp losing to Bologna. But, um... <laughs> no, no he, he avoided that one quite nicely, actually, didn't he? Um, yeah. But anyway, guys, just before we start the pod, I want to say that uh, listeners... By the time you're listening to this, I will have published an interview that I did with Fiorentina women's defender Louise Quinn. It's going to be up on the website by the time you hear this. Head over to the website and have a read of that now. Um, as will be the case going forward, of course, we mentioned it last week, Ewan Burns' Serie A women's roundup is up on the site as well, ready for you guys to head over and read. There were some moments in the women's Serie A this year. Roma basically held their own 
goal of the season competition in their 4-3 win over Inter. Two screamers. Well, one screamer, an overhead kick, and then a back heel as well, which was just gorgeous. Um, also in the men's game, it was quite an exciting weekend of Serie A, particularly for some teams. And I might be happier than most sets of fans this weekend, but forgive me for that because I'm going to run through all of the Serie A results from this weekend. Obviously, Inter Sassuolo was called off because of coronavirus cases amongst the Inter squad. So that was postponed. We'll see that at, at another point down the future. Kicked off on Friday evening. Parma went 1-0 up against Genoa. And look, we know the story from there. They lost, obviously, 2-1. Uh, Gianluca Scamacca came off the bench and ripped Parma apart, really. Uh, Crotone blew a two-goal lead at home to Bologna. That was a really exciting game on Saturday afternoon. Spezia beat Cagliari in another exciting game on Saturday evening. It was There was a lot of fun. Atalanta changed shape and beat Verona 2-0 away in a big win at the Stadio Marcantonio Bentegodi. The biggest shock of the weekend probably came in Turin. I say probably, I mean absolutely. Benevento went away to the Allianz Stadium and beat Juve 1-0. And, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo had a lovely afternoon. Sampdoria beat Torino 1-0. Lazio beat Udinese 1-0. Milan Fiorentina continued the fun in a game which saw both teams take the lead and blow the lead. Milan won 3-2 in the end. And the action finished on Sunday evening with Dries Mertens scoring his 99th and 100th Serie A goals to beat Roma 2-0 with Napoli. So, I think the obvious place to start is in Turin strangely, but Benevento, Vito, we were talking about people on Zaghi quite recently on the podcast. I can't remember if you were here. I said he's not cut out for Serie A. So what did he do? He took his Benevento to Juve and he won 1-0. What a result for them. And it gives them a little bit of breathing room at the bottom of the table. Yeah, I'm surprised as most people would be with such a result. And also considering Benevento's run in recent games has not been particularly impressive. Uh, Inzaghi is in general done a reasonably good job with Benevento, but it looks like they were going to get dragged into that relegation battle. Uh, this result, though, gives them that much-needed breathing space, as you've just mentioned. And um, uh, if we have to single out individuals, uh, there's uh, Lorenzo Montipo, the goalkeeper, and uh, the goal scorer, Adolfo Gaich, uh, it was a well-taken strike by the Argentinian youngster. Yeah, it really was. It really was. But Monty Pop, Kev, we've got to talk about him because he was great. By the end of it, him and Cristiano were just having their own little battle. Cristiano was having, I won't say big chances, but he was having his fair share of shots. And Monty Pop was just equal to all of them. Yeah, I think the problem with... Um... Ronaldo having his chances were that it, it was almost that personal pride was was getting in the way a little bit and he wanted to be the person that found that equaliser, you know, and probably then arguably the winner as well. And he, he he took two or three chances towards the end of the game from better passing positions, if you like. He probably you know, certainly there was one that he just sent straight down Multipo's throat and he should have laid it across the box. But um the the best save from the Benevento goalkeeper arguably came off of one of his own players mm. when um, you know there was a sort of looping deflection going just over his head and he managed to claw it away for a corner and it was um, 
you know, a great performance from him. It's one of the major reasons why they walked away from Turin with three points. That was great. And the smiles amongst the Benevento defenders when that happened as well it was glorious. They were just having a great day out. Even if they didn't hold on at that point, they were just thinking, we're having fun. We're leading you, mate. It might have even been nil-nil at that time. I can't quite remember. But this this game kind of had everything because Juve were given a penalty and then not given a penalty. They had a goal and then the goal was disallowed. Both probably correct decisions. Do we have any... Complaints with that, Kev? I might have given up on football if uh, they'd given that you know, given <laughs> that penalty to... Because, you know, it's something that I, I moaned about a little while ago, that there needs to be some common sense. The, the, the cross is going out of play. You know, now if the, goal, if the defender deflects that in for a goal, does anybody really complain? What do we do? Do we pull that back? You know, if it does brush his arm, do we pull that back and give, you know, deny... Sorry disallow a goal and then give Juventus the penalty. Obviously, Cristiano might like that because he'd get a chance to score. And it's just like, you know, if, if the ball's going nowhere, some common sense that it would have been such a minimal contact with the arm that had absolutely no impact on the game whatsoever because, the you know, it wasn't denying a goal-scoring chance. It wasn't taking the ball out of the path of an attacker. It was just going out needlessly for a goal kick. So it would have been terrible if that had been given as a as a penalty kick. So you're happy with the decisions? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think that yeah, because the Ronaldo offside, he was offside. Yes. Um they didn't you know, it, I think the, the how quickly they resolved it, you know, with the brief look at VAR showed you how 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 much he was offside, you know, it was still was marginal, but he was clearly offside. Vito, if we're talking about Benevento, this is a huge win for them now, particularly with Torino, Cagliari and Parma all having lost this weekend. They've got a little bit of breathing room, although I'm not going to say it's too much because they're seven seven points clear of Cagliari, who are third from bottom. They're six points above Torino, although Torino do have a game in hand. Benevento look like they might be okay, and it's looking increasingly now that it's going to be two of those three teams, Torino, Cagliari, Parma, who drop into Serie B. Yeah, I expect, uh, you know, among those three to really drop down with Crotone. And uh, Benevento in particular, it might have been just one win, but considering the opposition they faced and where the game was played, this is surely a great morale booster for Inzaghi and his squad regardless of uh, where this Juve team ranks in compared to the teams of the last nine seasons, uh, it's still a great win for Benevento considering the prestige of Juve or the reputation, shall we say. And uh, to go out and get a result like that surely must mean that against uh, the other teams, they should be approaching those games with uh, greater confidence. If they can beat Juve, surely they should be able to produce results against so-called lesser opposition. And uh, if they can get those results, uh, uh, Benevento should be able to survive relegation for the first time in their Serie A history. Kev, you've got to give them credit, right? Because this was more than just a, a smash and grab because Benevento did actually have a couple of chances themselves to score. Although Gianluca Lapadula appeared to be on a, a one-man mission to get in his team's way with a series of terrible decisions when he got into the final third. He was driving me up the wall, to be honest with you. But 
it, it was great. We, we spoke about Monty Bogaic, but everybody to a man other than La Padula was excellent for Benevento. Yeah, this was this wasn't ninety minutes plus of of Benevento just sort of defending for their lives and and snatching a a lucky winner. The the the, the real dominance of Juventus came maybe the last sort of twenty to twenty five minutes. Um, as you know, as desperation grew, then they fell behind, um, and and Benevento probably were, were spent a little bit mentally and and probably physically, and they they more than deserved their their victory. It was just one of those games that in previous years you probably just expected Juventus or you know any other club against a newly promoted side to 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 get a winner, um, and they they ground in and um, they'll all be probably at home in bed by now, very, very pleased with themselves. Mm. Where the weekend finished in at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, Roma lost 2-0 to Napoli. Of course they did. They were playing against a team in the top half of the Serie A table. But Dries Mertens, Kev, I'll stick with you on this one. 99 and 100 goals for Napoli in Serie A. It's quite an achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And he took, um, he took it well. It's easy to take the second one there. <laughs> Well, because it was put on a plate for him by a very intelligent header from Politano. How gorgeous was that goal? Oh, my God. Yeah. And Politano can often look for goal, particularly when he's cutting in from his left. I think so. it showed a, a great deal of intelligence to, to play the play the percentage, I suppose, and just take the goalkeeper out of the game. But um, it was, it was I don't know if I found it interesting. Obviously, Victor Osserman's come in for a lot of money. He's returned to fitness. And I wonder whether... They might have gone with him to hold the ball up, um, up at the top of the pitch more tonight. But they started with uh, Mertens, and he repaid that sort of faith in him, and showed the quality uh, in front of goal we've seen for the last couple of years with two excellent goals. Vito, how did Gianluca Mancini not get sent off? Oh, I found that yeah surprising for starters, and uh, I was also surprised that Roger Bunyas wasn't sent off too. Because he got a yellow card in the first half after tripping Zielinski, which resulted in that first Mertens goal. And uh, I felt there were probably one or two yellow card-worthy offences, and uh, the ref should have just said, see you later, go have an early shower. But I suppose uh, when you consider that Napoli ended up getting the three points... uh, these moments aren't scrutinised as much. If Roma had came back to draw the game or they ended up winning, I think there would be more of an outcry because, yeah, I didn't think the referee had one of his best games, to be honest. Vito, what is Roma's problem? Because obviously it's to an extent to be expected that you do worse against good teams than you do against bad teams, right? But their record is so strikingly different that it's it's got to be an actual problem, right? It's not just something that happens because they never win when they play a team that are in any way decent. And they always win, unless they're playing Parma, against a team who aren't good. Why are they so strikingly different against good teams and bad? I'm not sure whether to put it down to psychology or the tactics. If I really had to prioritise one of those, I'd say the psychology. But uh, to be honest, I think uh, it's a a part of Roma's history to have these sort of 
mental blockages or moments where I think they have some sort of psychological disadvantage or inferiority complex. And when there's any sort of pressure, they just seem to crumble. I suppose maybe in the case of Fonseca, he's shown that tactically he's a good coach. I think he's got a good football philosophy, but maybe in terms of man management or in terms of understanding the psychology of the players, maybe that's probably an aspect of his coaching he could work on a bit more because I don't think it's a matter of ability. I mean, when you have players like Mkhitaryan and Pedro on the pitch, they're two guys that can change a game. El Sharari had a poor game against Napoli, but when he's on, he's the kind of guy that can change a game. So it's not really a technical problem or a matter of skill level. It's um, For me, it's more of the mindset and it needs to address much better. In third place, Juve are on 55, Atalanta are on 55 and Napoli are on 53 in fifth. Both Napoli and Juve have a game in hand, obviously, against one another. So Napoli, I mean, it's in their hands to get into the top four now. And Kev, are you of the opinion that they've kind of put their blip behind them? They've got a couple of big results recently. Are they now set to kick on and put a little bit of a run together? Yeah, I think if they can um, say build on this and keep this momentum going, um, obviously they're not going to face Juve. Is it mid-April? April 7th, April? I believe. Okay, so early April. If if there's still three, well, two points between the uh, two sides when they go into that game and Juventus keep performing, even if they're picking up wins as they are, um, yeah, no, it could make for a really interesting end of the season. I, I still... You know, just something inside you thinks you they won't. You know, they've got enough experience and talent, and obviously, you know, money that has given them that talent to to not drop out the uh, top four. But you know, you just look at some of the things that are being uh, tweeted, retweeted, and things uh, on social media, and there is a there is a clear fear from from Juventus followers and. You know, people that cover them across the uh, Italian football media uh, that Juve could drop out of the top four this year. We'll get into this, right? Because I'm personally of the opinion now that Atalanta and Napoli are getting the top four. They are getting into the top four. I think Atalanta will finish second. And that's something that I've kind of said since the beginning of the season. I said that whoever finishes above Atalanta wins the Scudetto. You can go back and find that on Twitter. I said it before the season started, so don't start annoying me, Milan fans. Um, but <laughs> I'm convinced Inter have the title wrapped up. They're going to win about 10, 15 points. Said this. Atalanta second. Napoli are finishing in the top four. Who's not getting that? Who <laughs> you're directing that at? I, you know, I, I don't. I, I think um, while Atalanta could finish as high as second, I don't see Juve dropping out. So it's it's Napoli for me that, that possibly just slightly miss out on on top four. So you've got Juve and Milan in there. Uh, yeah, well, I've got to have Milan in there because I've said they'll finish at least nine points behind Inter. You're already backtracking on that, though. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, yeah, that was just that they'd finish second. But, um, but yeah, no, so I, I see the top four as it stands now. 
Mm. The um, our friends over that the Italian football podcast obviously did an interview with Alessandro Diamanti during the week, and I listened to it, and I was delighted when they they asked Ali, you know, what where do you think or who do you think will win the Scudetto this season? He said, oh, Inter easily by 10, 15 points. I was thinking, yes, Ali, you know, yes, <laughs> I loved him since his days in Bergamo, and my love for him still burns strong. What a guy. And he's dead right. He's dead right. Vito, I'll ask you, who have you got in your top four? Ooh. Uh, well, I'll go the big three in Atalanta with that one. Um, that being said, um, if AC Milan happened to be the one that drops, I think it's only because the likes of Kaya and Ibrahimovic have injuries. Uh, mm. You know, with the win they had against Fiorentina, Kaya and Ibrahimovic were back. Those two make a difference in terms of leadership and also in terms of uh, bringing valuable experience to such a young team. I, I think uh, the results show whenever they've struggled, it's because uh, when they have those two injured and a few others unavailable, um, you can see that the depth is really tested. So... At the best, I'd say Malang will hold on. But if they do have a run with injuries, maybe Napoli can take uh, Milan's place. I think now they're out of the Europa League. Mm. You know, otherwise I might have expected Milan to drop more points. But I mean, now they've got that that, pre- that week's preparation time pretty much between games. It should get them over the line for the Champions League places. Yeah, so I'm the only one back in Napoli. Sounds like it. Both of you have gone for the same top four, really, right? It's the the Milan clubs, Juve and Atalanta for you guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, Juve, or, Juve or Milan are missing out in my books, but I, I never get anything right. So I'm sure that one of you will be correct. And if one of you, by default, you're both correct. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Nobody goes for Roma, interestingly. But let's come on to that Milan game now. What a match it was as well. They went away to Fiorentina. They went 1-0 up through Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Then Fiorentina went 2-1 up. Eric Poulgaard scored a free kick. And I'm asking questions of Gianluigi Donnarumma on that one. Then Frank Ribéry put them ahead. But Brahim Diaz restored parity. And Hakan Chalanoglu scored late on. Although it wasn't that late. But we'll discuss that a little bit, Kev. How early can late be um, to win the game for Milan? So where shall we start? Oh, okay, I'll tell you where we start. I'll go late. I'll go late is 85th. Uh, you know, 85th or late. So what? Is, is, the 82nd minute isn't late? It was a 72nd. Okay, no, but if you said 85th is a good off, then 82nd no, isn't. Anything from Nonsense. 85th or later. Nonsense. Yeah, so, you know, it's not even... Yeah, Injury time is last gasp. You know, if, I, if I'm sitting here and I'm writing a match report, then anything in injury time is going to last gasp. <laughs> Late is 85th to 90. Anything else is just, you know, within, you know, respectable playing time. Um, and, uh, and um, sorry, just listening to you drop your pen. Um, Onto the microphone, good. <laughs> with, the, uh, with, the, with the free kick, I, I, I just, I was just holding my hands up to, to Eric Poulgar because it was a... We'll get into no, that, we'll get into a... that, we'll get into okay, that. But okay, okay, okay. I, I want to I discuss the... Our intrinsic bias against Milan, right? Because do you want me to lift the lid and tell you what really happened there? Basically, 
the the person who wrote the match report, I'm not going to say his name, put late in the title, and I stopped watching the Milan game with with 20 minutes left. So I assumed it was late goal. <laughs> so I published it with with the headline, and then I get late goal. It's confirmation of your buy, and I was thinking, what is going? And then I check 70 second, but I stand by it, right? Because what I'm going to do is break break the game down into four quarters. All right. First quarter's early. The middle two quarters are neither early nor late. Last quarter's late. That was in the last quarter of the game. So it was like, oh, there you go. Um, but we're obviously biased against Milan. Oh, I can't remember what we're going to talk about. Vito, where do you stand on the, the great Donnarumma debate? I think it's a poor piece of goalkeeping, to be honest with you. Everyone was fawning over the free kick, which was well taken. And Pulgar is a good set-piece taker, but... Donnarumma should be saving that. Considering the talent he's got, I think he should save it. But uh, it was nonetheless a fantastic strike by Pulga. And just to further elaborate on Donnarumma, though, uh, I think between that free kick and also Pogba's winner in the Europa League fixture when Milan played Manchester United, I think, uh, again, it's so one of uh, Donnarumma's weaknesses coming up again um for some reason for a guy that's so tall he doesn't cover his near post very well and he can get beaten on angled drives i find it rather staggering that either he hasn't picked it up or milan's coaching staff haven't noticed this this mistake and they should say jijo cover the goal a bit more you're over two meters tall you've got wide enough shoulders you've got a big arm range Protect it a bit more. Stop copying these cheap goals. Because I even remember a few times, even Kayahan was scoring a few goals against him like that when he was at Napoli. So, um, Donnarumma's been a regular in Serie A for five years. Don't get me wrong. I think when he's at his best, he's an outstanding young goalkeeper. But even at 22, um, he's still got a lot of polishing off to do. And again, with the Paul Garfrey kick, that's another example of that. I seem to remember him getting beaten at his near post against Atalanta a couple of times too, but we won't get into that. Kev, I, I think you're doing the free kick a real disservice. You know, I'm, I'm I love a grumble, particularly on goalkeepers over the years. But it's, you know, the wall is doing its job. It is covering that side. The amount of whip and look, pace look where it's from, that. Kev. Yeah, but but. Donnarumma still... doesn't have any angles to close. If he just no. stands in his goal, there's no shot on. But if you compare it to, say, the the, the first Napoli goal tonight, where um, Paolo Lopez sets his wall up and he goes and stands directly in the middle of the goal because his wall's doing nothing for his, what is his right side, which it should be covering to allow him to step more to one side because then it's this whole, that's the goalkeeper's side mm. to cover. And Merton's manages to go that way because he's left himself open to choose either side and, and Lopez then has left himself having to cover both angles if you like. Yeah, I think you're right there but because because that free kick was more central Lopez kind of has to make a choice, right? And he didn't make either choice but Donnarumma has the benefit of having a free kick at an angle where he doesn't even have to make a choice if he just stands <laughs> like closer to his near post there, there is no shot possible. 
there. I, I just don't get it. I'm look, I, I don't know anything about goalkeeping, but it just smacked me of a, a bit of a blip for a really, really good keeper. An- from that angle, I think he's he's in the position he is to claim a cross. And actually probably he probably puts pressure on himself by even going over and diving. I think if he stands there and just accepts that where he set the wall up is as best that he can do. If somebody beats me from there, wonderful sort of accuracy and everything else for a shot, then we're not having this debate because there's no him just getting there palming it into the roof of the mm. net. He's just been beaten by a phenomenal strike. And his efforts to get across is probably what's made us even debate this point tonight. Mm. But if he's having to scramble that much to get across uh, at such a small angle, I think his original position is off. But anyway, um, how good is Fikayo Tomori, Vito? He's he's come in when Alessio Romagnoli was very much on the decline. But he's like in the same ballpark as Guti Romero that I can't understand why Chelsea let him go now. In the same way that I can't understand why Juve let Romero go. What's going on? Because Milan can now sign him. <laughs> and obviously <laughs> they, they should. Well, with Chelsea, it seems that they are prioritising experience. And especially with uh, Thomas Tuchel there now, he's definitely going to trust the more experienced hands there. I think with Frank Lampard, he was putting a lot of eggs in the youth basket and all that and probably didn't get the balance right. So, um, look, I'm not going to say that I watch the Blues all the time, but at least from the bits and pieces I saw, that's the impression I got because Chelsea fans were going on about that Lampard was going to give the kids a go and finally make use of the youth academy. As for Tamori specifically, uh, I think Milan should be glad that they have him now. If they buy him outright, that would be fantastic too because from what I see of Tamori, he knows how to defend well. He's got good pace and strength, but he knows how to time his runs well. Mm -hmm. He'll leave the back line and he'll either go forward like, you know, one of those attacking sweepers of yesteryear and just advance forward like another midfielder. And then he'll he'll go forward and uh, go up for a corner. And I don't think he hasn't scored from one yet, but or at least from what I can remember. But uh, he'll at least get himself in those positions. So I think, um, you know, he might get a goal sooner or later too because he'll know how to time those runs, right, and uh, chip in. And that would be great because... uh, Ibrahimovic can only do so much at his age. So the more attacking outlets or scoring outlets for the Rossoneri, the better. And uh, tomorrow being a defender, um, you know, at least uh, he can help shore things up at the back because uh, Kia can't do it alone. We've got a one of the post-match articles going up on this game tomorrow. And there's a, a graphic which Warren Pegg is, is producing for us. He's going to be producing them going forward for a few games of the weekend. And it shows the, the Milan's average positions during the game. And basically, it's it's Kair and Tomori deep. Tonali a little bit in front of them. And then everyone else is playing like behind the strikers. It's it's mad. And I don't think they can do that unless they've got Tomori because, because he's so quick. And he is intelligent to, to know when to run and when to not and when to retreat and when to attack. He's... Really, really bright talent. I do some think some people are being a bit ridiculous about him, though, in that 
he makes a block and you see it on Twitter as if it's one of the greatest things you'll ever see in your life. And you think, well, it's a centre-back blocking a shot. Okay. But very, very bright talent. And I think Milan are very, very happy to to have him there. And they should do absolutely everything they can to sign him. I believe the release clause is about 28 million euros. Do it. Because you're not going to find anyone else for under 30 million euro that's in any way decent. Unless you are Atalanta, who beat Verona 2-0 away. And they've got Cuti Romero who's probably been one of, if not the best centre-back over the course of the entire Serie A season this year. Um, again, brilliant today. And Gasparini shocked the world by playing with a back four for the first time since 2016. But not only was it a back four, it was a back four that consisted of four centre-backs. And uh, nobody knew what was going to happen when he named this 11, but it worked very, very well. And Kev, I suppose you've got to say, he heeded the lessons learned from the first game against Verona this season when Verona and Juric knew exactly how to, to counter Atalanta and they won. Today, Verona had no response and Atalanta were good value for the 2-0 win. Yeah, I, di- I didn't get to see all the game. It was kind of playing in the background first thing this morning. I, I didn't even notice the... The, the tactical change that you were you were saying to um, about about on social media, uh, I do think it feels a little bit like um, Verona have run out of steam. Mm. But uh, you know, if if, Athlet, if Gasparini has seen an issue there and changed up and, and got results like this, then um, it can only be a positive. To me, it's a real case of the master and the apprentice going head-to-head again. Um, This time, uh, the master, Gasparini, showed that he had some extra tricks in his sleeve and uh, Juric couldn't find him out. So I think uh, to look at that narrative, uh, it makes it more interesting that uh, Atalanta did get the win. Uh, As for individuals... um, Dovan Zapata, um, he played quite well. Uh, he did score the second goal, which was a rather delicate strike, but uh, he probably mm. could have had another two goals before halftime as well. So uh, we have uh, Dovan there. Um, you know, when he's in full flight, he's a very hard man to control. Unplayable. He was unplayable in that game. He There was one occasion, I don't think it was the goal, I think it was when Silvestri denied his shot. But Lovato and I think it was Veloso, there were two Verona players on him. And he was just holding them off, one with each arm. (laughs) And he still managed to get a shot away. Phenomenal. And the goal as well. Beautiful goal. But not in the typical Duvan way. So he didn't power his way through and like roof a shot. He got in, Sylvester came out. And it was, like you said, it was so delicate. So elegant, just a little touch around him. It was it was a gorgeous goal. Kev, you at least appreciated that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a very, very, very subtle goal, and I just found myself thinking, why didn't you start midweek against Madrid? Well, he wasn't fully fit for that game, yeah. but you saw when he came on against Real Madrid the difference he made. Just he was excellent, and what a player! What a player Duvan Zapata is. It was first goal in Serie A for a month which seems to be a big thing. The commentator was talking about how it's a crisis, or a drought, he said, sorry, not a crisis. And I just thought, don't worry. 
<laughs> Don't worry about it. The goals will come. Yeah, yeah and I, I think if you're watching, you know, Serie A as regularly as we do, I hadn't even realised that. Mm. And I don't think, you know, it didn't bother me because I think you see them, what else he brings to the side. He's always involved in the action. It doesn't necessarily count. I'm sure it does to him as a striker. But, you know, he's so involved and so sort of fundamental to them as an attacking force that, uh, you know, going a month without scoring isn't necessarily that, that much of a bad thing. No, I couldn't believe it was that long, to be honest, because it was the game against Spezia, I believe, where he put one on a plate for Pasalic. And, I mean, that's as good as a goal for the team, right? Because he's put it in a situation where Pasalic couldn't miss. And, yeah, what a player. Lucho Muriel came off the bench and didn't score. The world is going to end sometime soon. But I do think this is an interesting development, Vita, with, with Gasparini making that tactical change. And obviously what happened with Papu Gomez at Atalanta this season where apparently he was sold because he didn't fit into the new direction the team was going in. Is this something that you would expect to see Atalanta play a little bit more of, particularly if Gossens leaves this summer, if they don't have the same quality at wing-back as Gossens and Hathabur? I'm not going to go too far down that path because there have been times where Gasparini has used a back four throughout his career, but I think it's just more circumstantial than anything else. Um, going back to what I was uh, pointing out earlier, I think because Juric is someone that knows his tactics inside out, he needed that change. He needed to have that sort of variation in formation and so forth. So I think uh, from here on in, I'd say Gasparini will stick to what he knows best with the back three. That's what's allowed Atalanta to punch above their weight for the last four to five years. So I think uh, it would probably take a more uh, bad run of form for Gasparini to have a serious rethink of his uh, back three formation. Kev, well, oh, go. Yeah. Yeah, no, so when we're talking about uh, Papu Gomez and Atalanta, I was watching the um, the Udinese-Lazio highlights earlier and uh, Rodrigo de Paul's hair, more than anything else, reminded me that he was possibly sort of still agitating for a move away from Udinese. And I just wondered whether Atalanta could be a potential destination for him, whether he'd probably be seeking a bigger money move elsewhere, whether he'd actually now fit into what Gasparini is trying to do you know, because I'm not, I'm not almost seeing him as a direct replacement for Papu Gomez, but he's got that sort of creativity um, with a little bit of industry about him. Um, but whether Atalanta would be quite the right fit, or whether Gasparini would even bother looking for someone in that mould anymore. Um, I missed this. What's DePaul done with his hair? Oh, it's like um, uh, yes, you you're old enough to remember the 2002 World Cup where Umit Davala just kind of cut like right back to his skin, just almost just above his ears and down. So it's like a Mohican, but one that's about two or three inches thicker than the usual Mohican. It's the most oh. bizarre. Just watch the highlights of uh, of Udinese Lazio because uh, DePaul was. Paul was involved quite a lot, and uh, when it closes up on him, you think, "What's he done with his hair?" It's it, it's, it's bizarre. It's almost um, Mr. T like. 
But again, okay. that that might be a that be a that might be a late eighties reference that neither of you are going to get. Yeah, um, I mean you're stretching, but I do think everybody knows who that is. But um, when you went with the two thousand two World Cup, I immediately thought Ronaldo, and I was getting very oh. excited because that is the iconic haircut of the two thousand two World Cup. Um, what were we going to say next? Yeah, Kev Bologna had a lot of fun. They went two 0 down away to Crotone and. As soon as they scored the first goal, it was just one of those games where you thought, I'm going to settle in and watch this now. Because I wasn't paying attention. But when Bologna got there first, the laptop was closed. <laughs> I was watching what happened from there on out. They they did come back. Um, Adama Sumaro got his goal. I was very, very happy for him. Scouten and Skov Olsen, or as Shouten, Scouten, sorry, as Shouten said on, on Instagram, Skov Golson got the winner <laughs> and channeling his inner Thomas Muller there, no doubt. But Kev, this was uh, an impressive win, but most of all, a very fun game in involving a team that you've a bit of affection for in Bologna. Yeah, and and at the start, you thought, wow, they're just going to collapse like they, like they have done on occasion. And, you know, Crotone looked really good, looked sort of, well worth their two 0 lead, and then after the after a great piece of work for Palacio, which um, set up the first goal. Like you, I just kind of stuck to it, and uh, I thought Palacio actually had lost the chance because because the, the the goal that actually gave them the win was a wonderful passing move. Palacio takes it on the edge of the box, and then he decides to shoot rather than roll in. I think Musa Barrow Barrow was on his left hand side, and it was only because of the but the save not being palmed out, uh, or palmed probably for a for a corner by Cordas, that uh, Tommy Asu managed to to score the winner. Otherwise, they might have been left just sort of with a with a draw. But um, that piece of goalkeeping meant they could go away with a real turnaround of a result. Vito Musabaro has or is now the third youngest player to have scored at least six goals and provided at least six assists in Europe after only Jaden Sancho and Kylian Mbappe. What a talent. That's some pretty illustrious uh, company to be a part of too because uh, both Mbappe and Sancho are outstanding players to watch. Obviously, you'd put Mbappe high above the other two, but Sancho and even Barrow are still fantastic players to watch in their own right. And uh, whenever... Mahalovic has uh, granted uh, Barrow more playing time. I think it's really made a difference uh, for the Felsine. Just, uh, you know, we saw him at Atalanta. He came there. He was a, he was just a striker, centre forward. But uh, Mahalovic has utilised him as a winger. But uh, he's looked like a really complete forward, really, you know, capable of scoring great goals and providing assists. So... Yeah, um, I'm really liking how Barrow's developing as a player. And yeah, definitely over time, I think uh, we can really see him explode even more and be more decisive and more influential. And yeah, hopefully he does uh, gather more attention in the football world. I love him. Absolutely love him. Kev, Palmer. Palmer, Palmer, Palmer. They, they went 1-0 up against Genoa. They didn't bloody win, but 
I don't think this is as big of a crisis as it seems because if you'd said to them a week ago in the next two games they'd take three points, they'd have taken it. From the last two games, they've taken three points. They beat Roma, lost to Genoa. They would have probably preferred it the other way around, but oh, it's not good. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I think uh, I don't remember how much I saw of last week's game against Roma, but I saw quite a bit of this, and I don't know if I, I'd feel a little bit more disappointed because they they seem so in control at certain points in the game that they they probably should have found a second goal. Although we know that that's not been uh, um, you know not meant much to them in the last few weeks. So yeah, I, I don't know if I would have felt that they should have got over the line with this one, really. I find uh, one major problem with Diverso's coaching is probably a, shall we say, maybe like a cultural problem that exists within Italian football. Uh, when you look at the modern game, a lot of teams play at a far more frenetic tempo and there's a lot more pressing that's going on than in previous decades. And... Uh, when you look at games, you think that non-Italians, they play the game like it goes for 180 minutes as opposed to just your standard 90 minutes. Uh, Diversa and his Parma, um, they seem to resort to the old Italian way where they don't necessarily play for 90 minutes. It, in a way, it's like Parma only played for 45. And uh, it's something that's got to be drummed, not just to diversa, but I think throughout Italian football. The game's gotta go the game goes for ninety minutes, you play for ninety minutes. You don't just do what you need to do for a certain period of time and back off. That was the tradition, but now it's a matter of understanding what the reality is. And uh, you can't just uh, do bits and pieces, play well when you feel like it, and then just back off or turn it into a train session. Because the way the game is now the opposition's going to come at you one way or another. So even if they have a bad first half, second half, they're still going to keep running. So I think 
the Versa has shown very poor bad management. It's not just this spell. Um, there were times in his first uh, stints with Parma where there was this issue, but now, considering the position on the table and there are only 10 rounds left, this problem is becoming a lot greater. So if they have these early leads, they've got to try and sustain it. And uh, if they keep using the young ones, especially the remaining kids like Mahailand Man, uh, I think that would make a big difference, mm. you know. Stick with those youngsters. They're full of energy. Keep on uh, attacking without, you know, losing balance or exposing yourself defensively and just try and go for the kill. See how you go if you can score two or three. Because it shows that Padma do have their moments, but if you're not going to maintain the intensity for as long as possible, the opposition is going to come back and beat you. Mm. Because that. That's the thing, and, and that's why it's so concerning that this run where when they lead, you now think, okay, Parma lose today. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's mad, and it's been going on since last season. And this is why I was kind of getting annoyed by people saying, oh, they never should have sacked the Versa in the first place. Parma and the Versa parting ways made perfect sense when it did. Because Diversa had done an incredible job to get them where he got them to, but he had hit a ceiling. He, he couldn't take them any further. And every time he tried to do something different, it was a disaster. And that is still the case. Now, you saw it against Spezia when they changed formation that 2-0 up and blew it. They've changed formation on other occasions this season and blown it against Bologna notably. But this, this trend of going ahead and losing was happening post-lockdown last season. I remember it became like the opening line of my video after every match was Parma went ahead and didn't win again. You know, it's it's unbelievable. And the versus back, and yeah, I think he's a better fit than Liverani ever was, but at the end of the season, if Parma stay or go, I think if he keeps them up, he should probably get dismissed. If he takes them down, well, keep them because he'll get them back up probably. But this problem that they have is bizarre, bizarre. And I think you're dead right that man and Mihoila, I've asked a Romanian person, by the way, Mihoila is the pronunciation of that. They just have to start every game. Forget Javinho. Just forget him. They're so much better when he's not playing. Have him on the bench if you want to, or just leave him at home because it's not working. Pele looks like he's a better fit than Cornelius already, whether or not he's going to be fit enough to play until the end of the season. Who knows? But it's clearly a problem that's deep-rooted there because players have come and gone and the problem of going ahead and, and blowing it persists. And Daversa does need to answer some questions about that. And who knows? Hopefully, Daversa keeps them up and they say, Roberto, thank you. This summer with the new owners, we're going to have a whole summer to plan who we want our coach to be. And they can make some sensible moves. Kev, you look like you want to say something, but I hope it's not about Parma. Uh, no, I was just sort of uh, deep in thought, I think, because, you know, it was interesting that, that Vito brought up the um, uh, the sort of cultural element of, of what might be going wrong because there was um, a piece I read at the weekend, uh, sorry, over the weekend, that was largely about the the Roma being the only side left in 
in um, European competition in Italy, a little bit about the issues some have with building stadia um, in Italy and how, you know, it's quite a closed off culture with bringing new ideas, certainly from a coaching aspect. Um, it was pointing out that of the foreign coaches, you've got Juric and Mihailovic who are sort of deeply ingrained in Italian football anyway, because at the time, you know, certainly Mihailovic spent there and that maybe they don't think outside the box and they go back to the old coaches because they're still on the payroll, which then, you know, because if they've tried something, well, you said Diversa tried something new, but as soon as it fails, rather than not necessarily persisting with it for the sake of persisting with it, it's get somebody back in which is tried and tested because you see it working with, say, Balladini short-term at, at Genoa as it is at the moment. Um, and the only real thing where... Italy have probably embraced what the other major European leagues have in the last sort of decade or so is European players coming in. But, you know, coaching-wise, obviously we've got a few more foreign owners now, but that, even that hasn't kind of brought, uh, you know, a greater diversity of, you know, certainly nation, nationality-wise, if you like, or experience outside of this, outside of Serie A. And, um, you know, it doesn't really ever look like it's going to change. So I was just kind of thinking about that article that I read at the weekend. Mm. Vito, Sampdoria beat 3-0, 1-0. Big result for Parma. And not a bad result for your guys either. Yeah, another another result, another win. So, um, again, it just uh, further cements that sort of mid-table safety that uh, Sump can only really aspire to at the moment. Uh, if we got to talk in uh, specifics, though, um, it was a lovely goal to win the game. Just the movement started from the left-back position or left flank with Valgello, a few other players involved. Uh, Quagliarella was involved nicely as well. And then uh, Gabbiadini passing to Candreva to finish off the move. So grateful that Candreva didn't blast it high in the sky. You know, it goes to show when you keep the ball low, you can hit the net. But uh, it was just some exquisite passing. So it reminded me a bit of the Giampaolo days, just with those close passing, the interchanging of movement. It was superb play and a superb way to win the game. Kev, Lazio won one nil away at Udinese. Yeah, a great uh, individual effort, almost again, because it was Antalanta, I think, that Maris yes. scored a curling effort. You know, this time he jinks away from... Three players inside the box, and then curls into the top. Are corner. we sure he's a defender? Uh, he's a bit of David Luiz, isn't sense. he? Yeah, not in the traditional sense. Mm. Um, yeah, one of those. Uh, if you're playing fantasy uh, football, <laughs> yeah. you know, if he's classed as a defender, you stick him in your team because you know he's always likely to get an assist or the odd goal. I mean, yeah, it'll be Gosens, Hatabor, and Marusic, wouldn't it, <laughs> for the Serie A defenders? I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, sorry about leaving Lazio so late, but we'll talk about them a little bit more, not next weekend, but after the internationals. We're getting a bit of a rest, guys. How good is that? The last game of the weekend was actually quite a lot of fun. Vito Spezia beat Cagliari 2-1, and again, another big result for Parma. Yeah, big uh, result because it uh, keeps uh, Cagliari uh, down low after having a good start under Leonardo Semplici. But uh, for Spezia, at least it helps them to stay up in Serie A. Again, Vincenzo Italiano is doing a fantastic job with this team. Um, 
although Cagliari were probably a bit better in the first half, especially the first few minutes, just in the second half, Spezia took their chances. Um, they they were probably a little bit better on the ball in the second half. And uh, uh, when uh, Simone Bastoni came on on left back second half, I think that made a big difference too. But uh, yeah, another, another good performance for Spezia. Another reason to keep your eyes on them. And then... Uh, but for Kayari, although the goals deserve to be disallowed, you know, it's always a bit stiff when you have two goals disallowed for offside. So, you know, I just looked at the reaction. I thought, yes, we're going to get the point. But Kayari, no, goals disallowed. So, okay, they might feel unfortunate. But at the same time, I think Spezia over the 90 minutes uh, were worth their win. You mentioned Simone Rastani. And I've got to ask... Why is he not in the Italy squad? Oh, it's, it's baffling. <laughs> yeah. But Biragi's not much better either. Mm. Personally, I don't think Biragi should be in the national team. So the options are Emerson Palmieri, um, Leonardo Spinazzola, and um, Cristiano Biragi. And uh, Emerson Palmieri does play better for Italy than he does for Chelsea, but... He hardly plays for Chelsea, so that kind of makes sense. But um, Spinazzola is probably the one that would really deserve his spot. Biragi, I would not have him there at all. I think Bastoni has had a much better season. And as I've said a few times, Tommaso Algello is a better option too. So I think for the next international break, he's got to pick one out of Bastoni or Algello. If it was up to me, I'd take both. Am I missing something? Is Di Marco injured? Uh, no, he played. He, pl- he played this weekend. Because he's he not, gave away that taunting. He's not in the squad either. And he's been ripping it mm. up at Verona this season. You've got Algello. He's been his best year. <laughs> yeah. The, Italy's three best left-backs aren't in the squad. <laughs> You've got Algello, Di Marco, and I've already... Bastoni. They're not there. What, what, what's happening? What is happening? Yeah, I think it might have been what Kevin and I were discussing uh, with you on Twitter a couple yeah. of days ago, that more for the sake of continuity, that guys like Palmieri and Biragi, they've been in the squad during the qualifiers over the last two years. So perhaps Mancini doesn't want to make sort of these last-minute inclusions leading up to the Euros. And that being said, after the Euros <laughs> are played, I think... Um, I think uh, Bastoni, Algello, and Di Marco have to be the guys going forward. Mm. I mean, you say that. The guys in those he's, he's, he's brought in Rafa Toloi. Like, I I was backing Toloi getting the call up, but yeah, come on. Come. Uh, yeah, see, I, I fully support the uh, the sort of continuity, but only only really when you've got someone that not necessarily is outstanding in their position and maybe going for a dip in form. Um, because where you've got a situation where they have a left back, that you've got a lot of players, you know, no standout candidate for, candidate for the first team position, and then lots of players in and around, probably worth a call up. Then that's where you try out bringing players in, see how they fit within the group dynamics, see mm. how they perform at international level, and you know, you would think left back is is an ideal example of that, and it just baffles me as to why Bastoni and Di Marco aren't there when they're probably fighting for 
my left back in our team of the season at the end of the year. When you compare, or not compare, when you think about the situation as well, right? There's there's a global pandemic, limit flights if possible. Don't bother getting Emerson and Florenzi to come back. You know, it's not like they are <laughs> the uh, Paolo Maldini. You know, just, just leave them. Just leave them in Paris. Leave them in London. Call up some people who will get a chance. They're not exactly key players either, right? It's not like it's Chiellini or Bonucci who kind of have to be there, even if they're not playing their best football. I just don't understand that. Although I'm happy that Kevin Lasagna is not in the squad, finally. Uh, finally, he's not there. There's uh, Every other Italian striker is in the squad. Though. But I, I think Pierluigi Gallini can feel hard done by to not be in the squad, considering there's four goalkeepers, Cranio, Donnarumma, Merritt, and Sirigu are there. I would have thought Golo would have been in that bunch. But there we go. There we go. We're finished talking about Serie A. Before we do the game, I've left this quite deliberately until the end, Kev. But there were a couple of kit things this weekend, and because there were a couple, I decided to keep it as a separate kit corner. Um, there was the Juve game, Napoli wearing the Argentina kit, which I think was a bit more like an Argentina kit because they have black shorts. Um, and then you were giving it about Genoa's shorts, but I disagree strongly with you on that. So we'll start with Juve. There were the blue kit at home again, and Benevento basically dressed up like Juve. Yeah, terrible, which we could possibly put down the uh, Arthur mistake, mm. or Arthur. Uh, mistake because he probably was more used to passing to somebody in a largely white strip uh, in the Juventus stadium. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is where uh, you know we talk. Uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're an hour in now, but we talk about Juve's issues that they've kind of had in well this season, but have started becoming more uh, expected. That maybe they they were so used to winning at such an easy kind of stroll that <laughs> they took about? their eye off the well they took their eye off the ball and you know and focus kind of commercial and it's mm. it's where now we're you know we've got four or five kits a season they're wearing them at home kind of tossing aside you know the bit I don't like the sort of you should wear your traditional colours and you know probably this year more than any because they know they haven't got fans. I don't know if the mm. Juventus fans would moan uh you know during the game. Um, I think things like VAR have got an easy ride this season because you haven't got maybe supporters booing and hissing if they're taking sort of five, six, seven minutes as we saw in the Champions League the other night between uh, Dortmund and Sevilla. And uh, yeah, I just, don't, I just don't think they should do it. And a little bit more of me was happy when they lost uh, this afternoon. Yeah, um, it was it was quite beautiful that they lost, right, because of that kick crime. But it's a nice kit. I know we've said it before, but it is a very, very nice kit. Do you think it's more a consequence of them signing Cristiano Ronaldo than anything else? Because even when there were fans last season, they did this with that rank green thing. Do you remember the kit that had the green on it? It was some Adidas partnership. Um, had like luminous green and orange randomly on it. And it was rotten, but still better than their actual home kit somehow. No, I don't. Oh, I'll tweet it to you. I'll tweet it to you. Um, yeah, I remember the one. It yeah, was Bavita, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Absolutely rank. But Juve have had a few clangers, including this season with that orange monstrosity. But we'll, we'll park that for now. The Napoli-Argentina thing, Kev, your um, approval or no? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Well, see, actually, I... I, I say I thumbs up or thumbs down and he just starts. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I'd probably put a... a I, I found myself hating myself a little because it actually looked quite nice on screen. Mm. Um but no, I'm I'm still an athlete should wear their traditional all sky blue shirt. General shorts. General wore white uh, shorts so they didn't have to change kits completely, but you're still annoyed about this. No, I uh, only only slightly because I think actually it's it's what you used to see in the uh, the, the old <laughs> days, let's call them the old days, where sides would only have two kit two two kits. So when suddenly when they brought in this, if your shorts clash as well, you must change the shorts. Teams that didn't have the the means to have a third kit would then revert to their home shorts. It suddenly threw up a real weird colour combination. But I thought to myself, well, at least they're not trying to bring out a third kit then and fleece the fans with more money when you know when small children generally want these full kits. So I, I quite liked that they that they they just went with the away shorts and socks. And just changed the shirt because obviously the white away shirt would clash with Palmer. Oh, so you were happy about it? Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. There was something about me that enjoyed that. Oh, okay. And and certainly the fact that Genoa stayed with their home shirt and didn't then go and wear their. They've got like the very very deep dark. Yeah, see, they couldn't have worn the away or third because both would have clashed with Palmer. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, kit corner's finished. You'll be happy to know. It's time for the game. You'll be even happier to know. Vito, I'm so happy you're back so we can play this again. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy about this. A listener described your uh, collective feelings towards this game as apathy during the week, which hurt me deeply. <laughs> hurt me deeply. Kev enjoyed it, though. Uh, of course he did. Of course he did. Actually, on that, before we get into the game, I've got to say, I've had a f- quite a few nice messages from listeners over the last month or so, so... Thanks to the nice ones, <laughs> you're all right. The rest of you can do one, to be honest. Um, I don't know why some people listen to this podcast, but there we are. Right. Shall we let Kev go first just to see what happens, Vito? Why not? Okay, two minutes on the clock. Your time starts now. Do they play in blue? They oh. Reword your question. It like... Blue oh, is in is their shirt, shirt, yes. Is their, is their home shirt have blue in it? Yes, okay. Uh, He's not. I thought he was going to do the Bruno Alves thing, Vito. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, are they in the north of Italy? Yeah, they are in the north of Italy. Uh, do they play in Verona? They do not play in Verona, no. That was odd. Okay. Uh, is, this, is this club uh, from Lombardia? They are not from Lombardia, no. Do they play in Milan? For fuck's oh, sake. Fucking... I'm not letting you out of this week. Vito, back to you. <laughs> don't again. Don't All right. Again. Does this uh, club play in Emilia-Romagna? Yeah, they, of course they do, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, is it a Bologna player? It is a Bologna player, yes. <laughs> Kevin knows okay. what he's is, done. Look at him. <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is this play Italian? He's not Italian, no. Kev, he's not Italian. Uh, he plays for Bologna. 
Okay. Are they a defender? They are a defender. Uh, is it Tomiyasu? It's not Tomiyasu. Is it Sumaro? No, it's not Sumaro. Bologna have a lot of foreign defenders. Is it... Oh, is, who's the Greek left back? Oh. Need to push you for an answer, Gav. Likiakiakianios. <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> Likiakianios plays for Gayeri, man. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Vito, it's over to you. Fifteen seconds. Danilo. No, it's not Danilo. Danilo. It was very oh, nearly, nearly Danilo, but it's not. Kev, this is mm. poor, guys. Oh. Seven. Uh, Hickey. Aaron Hickey. With five seconds to go, Kev Pogzelski has won the game. It's oh. Aaron Hickey. Aaron Hickey. Well, I hope. I hope we had less apathy this week for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad the listeners don't see your fucking face during this, mate. <laughs> really? Because if you think it comes across in his voice, listeners, you should see what he looks like when we play this game. The thing is, I done, I did, I did Lombardi again. I've made, I've done, made that that uh, mistake so many times. Yeah. Next like time, I've just, never get, just get a place. map up, will you? Oh, literally, there's a map in front of me on my wall in my home. <laughs> not, not, not an Italian. Yeah, it's, it's not a map of Italy, though, Kev. No, no, no. It's, a, it's a world map. Well, I can see. Yeah. Right. The important part is it's a map. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right, listeners, there's an international break, thankfully, so we're not going to be with you next week. Um, we will, however, be back for the first round of Serie A after the internationals. Like I said, do head over to the website for the interview that I did with Louise Quinn. Really interesting. Um, read, if I do say so myself, quite an interesting career, obviously. Uh, an Irish person playing in Italy who has previously played in London with Arsenal and also in Sweden. Not a bad career. Um, so yeah, read that. Ewan's uh, Serie A Women Roundup is going up tomorrow as well. We've got a feature from Ewan on Juve as well. He's been busy, actually. Andrea on Milan, specifically Ficaro Tomori, and from Michelle on Big Duvan Zapata. So you guys have been doing your team of the week and player of the week as well. Have you decided who your player of the week is, Kev? Uh, probably. I've got to obviously check with Vito. Okay, well, don't, don't reveal the uh, secret to the listeners anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, go with uh, Monty. I literally just mm. said, "Don't reveal it," and you went and revealed it. Kev, well, no, say you goodbye. Don't, you don't. You said, "Don't reveal our secrets." Kev, say I goodbye. Didn't reveal our Kev, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Vito. Goodbye. I'm not going to bother this week.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.